Show with your host, Nigel Roberts. Hi, it's Nigel, and this is Staccato. I've loved music for as long as I can remember, and one of the things I enjoy about interviewing musicians is how much I learn from them about different genres of music. A perfect example is today's guest, Sky Allen. Sky is an MC and vocalist and a songwriter with improvised West Coast funk poetry band, The Spliff Personalities. Together with two other vocalists from her band, Alexa and Noel, Sky also recorded the opening theme track for Staccato. Guy, welcome to the show. Hey, Nigel. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, when did you first get interested in music? Oh, in music in general. Yeah. Um, I've I've always been uh, forever, <laughs> <laughs> forever. I was always um, walking around my house singing as I was playing, and I was always singing. I can't remember a time where I wasn't, and that just grew to become a love of mu- collecting music as well as making it. What did you listen to? Um, as a child, yeah. Uh, besides, like nursery rhymes, <laughs> I know. Um, growing up, I guess I got a bit older and I could select my own music. Well, there was, of course, like Backstreet Boys and Spice Girls and those sorts of things in the early '90s. Like the commercialized pop music was was pretty huge. As my music tastes formed, I started to lean more into like jazz and R and B, and that those were kind of like my main R and B. Kind of introduced me to hip hop eventually. Um, yeah. And were you around 13 or so when you first discovered hip-hop? That sounds about right. Maybe a little bit before that even. And again, that was just like radio, radio hip-hop. But it was, it was those like initial encounters that led me to dig deeper and then all of a sudden realize the immense history behind hip-hop and, and the, the breadth of intelligence behind it as an art form. And, and that's as I got older, it kind of started to think deep, more critically about music and start making it myself that I started to explore that more. You've also told me that uh, you're a poet, that you've been writing yes. poetry for a long time. Mm-hmm. Talk a bit about that. Um, yeah, that's just... I, I think I started writing poetry around the age of 12 as well. And that just that kind of started as writing kind of questioning when, when you get to that age and you start questioning the world around you a little bit more um that was my way of kind of detailing what I'd been internalizing about that and I realized quickly that I could put it into an interesting form where the words sound really cool like read right off a page and I really like that like the sounds of it and that started to become my main outlet for everything I started writing every day and was your love of writing and poetry, was that kind of going together with your discovery of hip-hop? Yes. Yeah. They kind of, they grew together. It was more, it was definitely writing first. Um, and listening was more of just, it, it was more about the the fun, the fun music that was on the radio and, and what my friends were listening to at the time. Um, and eventually, I, yeah, as my, as my appreciation hip-hop deepened so did the way the style of my writing changed I noticed because that would be what was on the stereo 
or in my headphones when I was writing. And all of a sudden my cadence and my, my rhythm became more centered around that as opposed to just writing about my day. It became very rhythmic, I think. Now I'm skipping ahead a bit here, but yeah. I think in the last year, correct me if I'm wrong, you've started doing freestyle. Freestyle, yes. <laughs> so how has that changed your lyric writing? How very has that changed much. your songwriting? Very much. And I, and I really appreciate that I've been able to do more of that because that is like that's the origins of hip hop that came out of um, that like people getting together on the street corners and and reciting poetry over a beatbox over just vocally and it was something free to do and it was a form of expression. Sharpening those skills was seen as such a huge like, people had so much respect for that. So whereas listening to beats had made my writing style more rhythmic, I think freestyling more often I was making my writing more fluid. So I, I had the, the rhythm down, but now there's a different way that my words will kind of flow through those cracks within those beats. And that's been really cool to watch it form that way. What do you think about Jay-Z's comment that rap should be considered poetry and that if you listen to the song and listen to its intent, that it's thought-provoking? Oh, certainly. Yeah, definitely. I, I, think, I also think it doesn't only have to be that the first the first MCs they were they were kind of party MCs like they were introducing a DJ so the DJ would be be playing beats and um, and they just kind of have a little fun rhyme to introduce the DJ and kind of to introduce themselves and it would be just a, a couple bars and so it was it was just about having fun and and kind of having a party was was like some of the beginnings of that um, but where it evolved to from that was certainly within wordplay and I, I think that today there's there's a history now of MCs who are like the the greatest poets of our time some of the greatest poets of our time are MCs so I, I do definitely definitely believe that you need to look um, to it for the poetic aspect yeah. I think the best MCs for myself personally combine substance with style beautifully like they're able to say something but not in a way that they're holding it over anyone's heads or they're they're coming off pretentious <laughs> you know <laughs> it's still it's still something that's enjoyable and groovy and fun like it has to have that element in it as well otherwise I, it can be a little bit uh too much at times sure. but also there are times where I really do enjoy listening to that really like cerebral kind of rap there's a lot of like underground old school rap that Every single line is just so much information at <laughs> once. And then they're speaking, they're very, um, it's very academic, like very well read and making a lot of references. I like listening to that sometimes too. I think it all has a place. I wanted to ask you as well, what got you interested in writing free verse? Uh, just writing poetry in general. Um, it's strange. There wasn't really, there wasn't an external inspiration for that. I just started doing it one day, as I mentioned before, to just to somehow see in front of me what I was internalizing. Um, yeah, I don't really even know what initially compelled me. I know that the first poem that I ever wrote was, I was in class and we were learning about DC generators in science class. And I was like, why am I learning this? I don't care about this. Why am I doing this? And I started to question the entire school system as I was sitting there. <laughs> and um, I wanted, and I just had all these, these thoughts come to me, bang, bang, bang. And they came in a way that, I knew I could rhyme somehow, and I and I was thinking about this all day in class. I wasn't listening to what the teacher was saying. <laughs> I was like forming these words in my head, and I, 
um, went home and I wrote it down. And that's, and then I just started doing that like every day. How did the Spliff personalities form as a band? Like what was uh, it that brought you guys together? The Spliffies. Um, the first, the first time that I ever saw Lucas and Lex, so Lucas plays guitar and sometimes Reese are, um, has verses for our songs. Um, Lex is the other MC and vocalist. Um, the first time I met them, they were playing a show. They were opening for Downtown Mischief at Logan's Pub. And um, I saw Luke and Lex on stage and I was like, a female MC, like there's a girl rapping on stage. Like, and I was with my friend Miles at the time. He's another member of the band. And um, I was like, that's so cool. I, I want to I wanna talk to her. Um, and I didn't see her that night, but we ended up at a party at our friend David's house and they had a recording studio there so they'd have a lot of bands come through and perform and I bumped into Lucas and Lex there and uh, started talking to them so that I saw them on stage and uh, we just made plans to start jamming and we all hit it off immediately we all had similar interests in like board sports and um, yeah we just we just had fun in the same way we we all kind of communicated the same way and so every Sunday we started jamming at that place um, all afternoon sure. and so that brought us to developing songs together there and just learning how to perform together and that's how it started. How does the creative process of songwriting work when the group like for example if somebody has an idea for a song do others just roll with it and then do you kind of workshop it amongst you? Yeah yeah it's it's really cool everyone is really open and creative and um, really like genuinely cares about each other and and wants everyone to to be able to express themselves and we all happen to really like the music that <laughs> one another makes so so someone will start playing it can happen in many ways like some sometimes one of us will write almost a full song and bring it to the table and say I have this song that I love like do you want to add anything to it and um, can form from there or we'll all just be in a room together and the guys will start jamming out an instrumental and then Lex and I will just start with a hook and and start freestyling something, and then that will evolve into a song where we start writing to it. Um, so there's a lot of different ways, and we're all open to it kind of happening organically as it does, and I really like that. Now, let's touch on something we've talked about maybe a little before, and that's this. Mm-hmm. You've kind of used to be working or creating on your own. Yes. Your poetry and presumably your music. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a process unto itself. Mm-hmm. Now you find yourself in a band yes, with a bunch of other people yeah, and you're collaborating. How has that worked out for you? Both complement one another. Like I'm one without the other is very one-sided. So the fact that I was only creating by myself before has, has its importance and its benefits in itself, but only until I started sharing that and learning what it means to collaborate like that. I didn't have, that wasn't enriched in the same way as it is now. And if I hadn't been working by myself for so long and writing by myself for so long, I wouldn't have had as much to bring to the table with the band. So I think having time for both is important. I think balance is very important all the time, and especially in music and especially with working with other people. That's, that's what I want to be able to, um, to share. How do you guys do it when, like, you're kicking out ideas? Somebody comes up with an idea for a song. Mm-hmm. Is there a process where somebody in the band can say, I don't know? Oh, yeah, certainly. (laughs) Yeah, I think we're very honest with each other. And um, but within that, everyone's we everyone's so kind and and loving and supportive and it's such a good community that it doesn't come across as 
um, I don't like that. You shouldn't do that. It comes across more as what I, there's something there. What if we do this instead? Or I have an idea for this. It's very, it, it builds rather than depletes. It's always, Organic. we're always building together. Yeah. You've said that there's a rising number of women MCs and vocalists in hip hop, mm-hmm. both locally and globally. And I'm curious about what you think are the forces driving this trend. Uh, well, currently, like we're in the midst of another whole resurgence of women stepping up into into their power. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with it because there's more there are more places where where people are willing to listen to that message at this time. Um, it's just more of a, a social focus. So so I think that those voices are coming through really strongly right now. Like the Me Too movement. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, um, things along those lines. But also just where we're at now, we're with the internet and everything, we are so we have so much access to everything that, that does exist now or has existed. So if, if I go online and I see um, a video of all these MCs, past female MCs, and then I see on SoundCloud a bunch of new emerging female MCs, like you, you, there's just more... I think exposure to it. It's just more easy to be exposed. So you can see other women doing doing that and, and it just makes it more approachable. Hip hop artist Odyssey, who performed a brilliant mm-hmm. set on uh, NPR's Tiny Desk concert. Yes. This guy blows me away. He's uh, he's a favorite of mine. Yeah. And I was blown away by his virtuosity, mm. the ability to write lyrics like that. Yes. And to deliver them like that. Yes. Anyway, he said he made his new album, The Good Fight, mm-hmm. as a reminder that music comes before hip-hop. Yes. That music can tr- trigger indescribable feelings. That music is a meditation on our capacity to love. And mm-hmm. finally, that our ambition and greed are in constant conflict with our sense of propriety. I'm mm. curious about what your perspective is on that. He's a very intelligent man. I would encourage anyone to watch all of his interviews if they can. <laughs> he is so well-spoken, and he conveys his ideas so well. Um, you can learn a lot just by listening to a 10-minute interview with him. Um, I, I agree very much with that last statement about about greed getting in, in the way of proprietorship. I think what he's all about is making a living off hip-hop just enough that he can live off of it. Um, he has a whole concept album about that very thing that you're describing. Um, and I, I, I think it's like questioning, questioning what our values are. I think, especially within hip hop, you get this idea of this image of what it means to be a rapper. And you, and you think the, the gold chains the gold and, chains, the, and yeah. the big house. And, and that's, that's only one style too. There's a lot of, there's a lot of a range within hip hop. But with music in general, I think I think we feel like if we don't have the big, the big label deal, we're not really in the public eye all the time, and everyone knows us, and we're all over social media. Then, like that's that's the point of it is is what some people think, and that's why a lot of people are pushing for that before they're even thinking about the quality or the content of what they're putting out. And I I think what he does and what I respect so much is he's making it for himself first. He's making it to say what he wants to say and um, to get better at his craft. And then he's sharing it with a small group of people who he's built from 
the ground up. Like he's built a fan base organically by being there with people and getting to know them and starting a community and then letting that spread and letting it work from the inside out rather than aiming for this objective or ideal and then missing the journey on the way of actually creating and making music. I'm going to ask you about one of the songs that uh, the band plays on YouTube called Tavern Etiquette. No, I understand yes. it has it has another title, which is Cut Him Loose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, yes. This is an original song by you? Um, this one is a collaborative effort. This one started on a ukulele, and it was just... <laughs> Yeah, well-known <laughs> hip-hop uh, track. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the only instrument that I I kind of know how to dingle around on. So sometimes I start writing songs on it. Um, but I, I was just playing a few chords that I thought were had a kind of a nice ring to them. And Miles, um, old copper Meekin, the guitarist in our band and my roommate. Um, he heard me playing these this song and, and started adding all these cool licks. He's really got this really awesome blues style on the guitar. And he made it sound so cool. And then we just kind of started singing, I had to cut him loose. And just kind of started singing it over and over again. And and then started working on some lyrics for that portion of it, like the chorus over the next couple of days. And then, I don't know, I just started, the, the vibe of it kind of had me envisioning like an old Western movie where... Um, you know, there's this there's this guy coming out of the tavern. It's early in the morning, and he's all covered in dust. You know, there he goes up, climbs onto the porch, and his lady's there waiting. And she's like, "Nah, not this time." And it was just kind of like a complete made up imagined scenario. And um, then we brought this to the group, and they added so much to it. And then we decided to break down into a fast part. And Lex wrote this really awesome rap to it. And now it's a really cool song. I like it. It's one of my favorites. And I, I guess the thing that struck me is, although it's got a jazz sound and jazz influence, it seems like almost a, a standard that I could have heard back in the 1940s. Thank you. That's very cool. Yeah. Influences come from, like, who knows? Sometimes I'll be singing and I'll realize that it's a horn line from from a soul song from the 70s. Or one time I was I was singing something in in like a kind of r&b hip-hop sound and i realized it sounded like sha na na's in, in the still of the night like it kind of it had this similarity to it and i'm like <laughs> i don't know where that comes from but but it's all in there and then when you become the vessel that's putting it out it grabs from all these influences and it puts them all together in a weird way a little earlier you were you were saying how when you started off as a band you wanted to be like the house band of the green ceiling yeah i'm yeah. gonna ask a little bit about venues because you've played there yeah you played at the Lucky Bar, and I think you did a New Year's Eve gig at the Lucky Bar. Yes, um, we did a New Year's Eve gig at Logan's Pub. Oh, the Logan's Pub, mm-hmm. sorry. And you also play at Vinyl Envy. Yes. So I wanted to ask you, what's it like performing in these different venues? Uh, it's it's really interesting. They they all bring something a little bit different to the table, and um, they're all enjoyable for their own reasons. Um, like at Lucky Bar, for example, the stage is very high. So you're like looking down on a dance floor and, and people are looking up at you and dancing and having a good time. And it's a very upbeat, really and kind of a party vibe in that place. Whereas at Vinyl Envy, it's a really relaxed kind of, it feels like a living room almost. I always feel like I'm at a house party when I'm at Vinyl Envy, like um, a lot more intimate and and yet spacious. And, um, and then we played at 
like Matt Kemp in our band, he does a series called the Barefoot Concert Series at uh, a yoga studio in Cadborough Bay. And we've played there before, and it's very, very intimate, like small space, really cool acoustics, and people sitting on pillows and yoga mats and like lying down. And <laughs> and, and that's a really cool vibe because they're listening to every word, whereas sometimes that Lucky Bar, like it's hard to hear every word on when there's like that much space and sound, right? So it's like you really have to work on carrying a vibe forward. Like if you want people to get into it, you know, you need to be more theatrical, more performing more. But in a yoga studio, there's not much space to perform as it is. So you're just uh, like enunciating the words and making the words really clear becomes of, of more importance. And I'm, yeah, these are all things that I'm just learning as I go. I'm very new to all of this. So. And in terms of venues, different ones, smaller ones, you mm-hmm. and Miles recently played uh, a gig at the Fortune Gallery. Yes, yeah. So I'm curious, how did that come about and what did you do to uh, go about promoting it? Ah, okay. that was a really cool experience um, because Miles and I will, we have a little side project called the Miles Sky Club. Um, and to practice for that, because it's just us, uh, we have other members collecting right now, but when it just started and it was just us, we could bring our practice anywhere because, you know, we'd have a lot of days off together. We live together. So oftentimes we'd be like, you want to go skateboarding down to being around the world, get a coffee and jam. So he'd bring his guitar, we'd skateboard down there and we'd be jamming outside of the coffee shop in the alley. And a lot of um, local people to Chinatown would be walking through. And Allison was one of them. She owns the gallery. And um, she saw us playing and it was like, kind of raining out one day. And she was like, you should just come in the gallery and play. Like, it's raining out. <laughs> come on, what are you doing? <laughs> Uh, and the acoustics are really good in there and, and she really enjoyed listening to it and she just suggested it. She said, you want to have a show here? And that was a really cool um, situation where community comes together to make, to create something together. So it was a combination of a music concert and an art show. And art, yeah, because she also left it open to us to select the artists that we wanted. So cool. so we just selected friends and and um, got, kind of got to engineer it all ourselves. We made our own poster and um, got those printed off, put it around a few places, and made a Facebook group. And it's actually, it was fairly, it, it wasn't that difficult to do it ourselves um, as I thought it would be. I thought, I thought maybe I needed people who were graphic designers who could do a poster, this and that. But, I mean, we put a picture of ourselves up in the paint program. Didn't even have Photoshop, <laughs> just put it on paint, put some words on it, tried to make it look interesting. Um, word of mouth, just told a bunch of friends about it, um, and it kind of all came together. And then we had coffee donated by the coffee shop next door. <laughs> so, like I said, it was a community effort. Like that's true. Yeah, it's really, it's really, um, it's a good city for that. You have an idea, and there's uh, so many branches you can reach out to, and people willing to help and and wanting to make something together. I was struck by something Miles wrote, which was, "I'm very proud of how much I've developed." as a hip-hop artist. My music used to be mainly from my own self-reflection. It is still now, but I've worked hard to make my music more accessible so that anybody can listen and be empowered. Wow. And I was curious about what you think about that, and does it also apply to you? I do feel that way. I've learned now that I'm performing in front of people, there is a, it's an interplay now between me and everyone else whereas opposed when I was just writing I'd come home I'd write poetry in a notebook stayed in the notebook nobody heard it 
And it was, it was just me learning how I felt about the world. Whereas now, um, when there's a group of people looking at you and absorbing that, it becomes for everyone as opposed to just for you. So it's given me maybe more of an objective sort of worldview and creative view within my music. Um, because it, it has to be authentic and it has to be coming from an honest place within me. But if I'm sharing it with people, it has to be for them. It has to be shared so that they can enjoy it and feel good, too. We're now going to hear Sky and the Spliff personalities perform their song, Tabernetican. Back with Sky Allen. You and Miles played at the Fortune Art Gallery. Yes. I wondered if it gave you an opportunity to profile the more philosophical side of mm. your songs. And if that is the case, what is the message or messages that you want to get out in those kind of songs? Um, I do think I was, yeah, it was, an, it was a cool opportunity to get more of that philosophy in there. And um, I suppose that philosophy would be more philosophy is changing every every moment <laughs> it's it's a moving philosophy and um that's actually one of the interesting things about writing songs is sometimes I write a song and it feels so true and good to me at the time and then months later I go to perform it and I'm like oh this isn't what I think anymore <laughs> like this isn't so I'm kind of learning to navigate that like how to um how to accept that that I'm, I'm showcasing sometimes something that maybe doesn't align with me so much anymore but how to bring my current self into it you just use the words you're learning to navigate yes and i got to <laughs> springboard off that we've talked before about music entrepreneurship yeah. how new and emerging artists such as yourself and the spliff personalities have had to basically learn how to do things yourself yes when it comes to performing and, and so on and you sort of summed it up one day in conversation by saying, we're basically winging it. Yeah. <laughs> so what I, what I wanted to ask you, Skyer, what are the kind of things that you and the band have had to learn? Because well, with our band, we're coming together with varying degrees of experience within this. Like Matt, for example, he knows the music scene so well. He understands how to book shows really well and and that kind of business side of it. And then you have Luke and Lex who are both in other bands. Like Lucas was in Electric Sex Panther for a while and now they're in Grapefruit is Impossible. 
and they're playing a lot of awesome shows and and I feel like they've been performing a little bit longer than me so um they have lots of insight into how that works as well and then there's Miles and I have just kind of come up and um this is our first like couple years doing it um so I can speak for myself and what I've learned because I'm not sure like there's probably things that I'm I'm speaking of that they've known for a while um but for myself in particular promoting myself I've learned how to do that uh, using social media which before I didn't feel very drawn towards I didn't I didn't know how to kind of put myself out there without it being too much. I didn't want to oversaturate my, my social media with like, come to my show, come see me. Like, I didn't want it to feel like that. So learning how to do that in a tasteful manner where it's not, where it's sharing rather than, than being too promotional. Too promotional. Yeah. Cause I don't, I don't want to become like a business person <laughs> to my friends. Right. So I've learned how to put on shows and invite people based on um, community, like people who I'm hanging out with all the time anyways. And then I've realized that it works both ways. So my friends who um, I'm spending a lot of time with just regularly hanging out with, they're putting on shows too, or they're performing shows. So you go out and support their shows. And then it becomes this network of people who are all lifting each other up. And um, that I've learned I think I've learned more about the like, interrelationships than the actual business side, which is, <laughs> I think that's what business could and um, should be, is, is just people looking after one another. As I mentioned in my introduction, you and two other vocalists created and recorded the theme track yeah. for this show. <laughs> how was that created? What, how did it all happen? That was really cool. We were going over to our friend Noel's house, Alexa and I, and... Um, we were just jamming. We we're having a female cipher, and and um, we just like to get together and rhyme. And I, I brought to them this idea. I said uh, Nigel's doing a podcast, and he'd like us to maybe do a little theme song. And within like fifteen minutes, we had we had this thing recorded because <laughs> Alexa knows how to use GarageBand um, pretty proficiently, and so she plugged in um, Noel's keyboard and started playing some some piano and then we added a beat to it and then we all just kind of freestyled over it and and decided to make a song so um yeah that's one reason I really appreciate working like we were talking before about collaborating and working in groups is it wouldn't have been like that if I did it alone like they brought so much to that because of their skills and and the ability to like have three voices harmonizing sounds really cool so yeah that's how that whole thing came about well, thank you, Sky. We're going to hear a little bit of that theme song in a couple of minutes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thanks very much for your time. It's been great. It's been awesome. <laughs> Thanks to Sky Allen for talking with us today. And thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of Staccato, please share it with your friends. In the next episode, we'll be talking with classical guitarist and teacher Alexander Dunn.